plastic pollution, deforestation, global warming. Sometimes it feels like there's just nothing we can do as individuals about our environmental crisis. But at the Oath Project, we believe that small acts when done collectively can create massive impacts. That's why we created this podcast, to share the stories of the individuals who are doing just that, one act at a time to help the earth. And hey, who knows, maybe after this episode, you'll be inspired to, as we call it, hashtag take the oath and commit to doing just one act at a time. Now on with the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to One Act at a Time, Stories of Change. My name is Sam, and I'm going to be your host today. I'd first like to acknowledge that I am on the unceded and unsurrendered territory of the Mi'kmaq people, known as Mi'kma'ki or Halifax, Nova Scotia. Today, I am co-hosting with a very, very special guest, Cordelia, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for having me, Sam. My name is Cordelia, as you'd mentioned, and I am currently living, working, and grateful to be on the unceded territory of the Anishinaabe and Algonquin Nation here in Ottawa. But I actually grew up on the traditional unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people in Unamaki, known as Cape Breton Island. So right now I am currently the host of Plastic Canada, which is an environmental sustainability podcast that looks at plastic waste issues across Canada, pretty much. And uh, I'm just really grateful to be here today with Sam and Oath and to learn from Angela as well about her initiative, Scotian Shores. Thanks so much, Cordelia. So yeah, today we have Angela. So Angela Riley is from the Eastern Passage, Nova Scotia, and she's made quite a name for herself picking up trash along beautiful Atlantic beach lines. She's found a way to reuse and recycle the things that she picks up, turning them into amazing jewelry products with her business, Scotian Shores. And she's been able to encourage so many people to join her in cleaning up beaches. So I'll let her introduce herself a little bit here. Okay, so hello everybody. As Sam said, my name is Angela Riley. I hail from Eastern Passage, but I've spent most of my life on the shoreline, Beaver Harbor, Sheet Harbor, all over the place. Come from a long line of fishermen. I'm the founder of Scotian Shores, which is a shoreline cleanup business based in Nova Scotia. We run as a social enterprise and we specialize in cleaning up the shorelines in Nova Scotia. We are so impressed with all of the awesome work that you folks have done. So please let our listeners know a little bit more about you and your story and what inspired your work. So like I said, me, I come from fishermen. I've always been around the ocean, sing and song, right? I've, I've even written songs about being by the ocean. So it's just, it's very close to me. I believe water's life. So it's really important and we're surrounded by it in Nova Scotia. We're almost an island. Almost. <laughs> but uh, I was spending a lot of time on the beaches actually during the pandemic. And I've always cleaned up, but I would notice that there's been extra garbage, it seemed, or maybe I was just coming into the realization that there's a lot out there. And I took a trip down to the Bay of Fundy, which if you haven't been there, it's kind of like the garbage patch of Nova Scotia. And I hate to say that because it's beautiful, but once you start looking, you'd be really surprised. So I started Scotian Shores in a way to kind of help fund our equipment and gas costs and just all the costs that kind of get incurred with cleanups because with shoreline cleanup, there's a lot of specialized equipment. 
so it just kind of started with me counting my pounds, taking the data, and then I started collecting more people. I really believe that if we're all connected, all the different groups, we're going to make a bigger difference. So now we're collecting data probably from over 50 individuals all across Nova Scotia, different cleanup groups. So our group, Scotian Shores, the Cleanup Project, who's amazing, the Friends of Scotts Bay, Salt Marsh, there's Tidy Beaches. There's so many of us in Nova Scotia. And we're getting all the data kind of together so people can see that big number and, and really actually realize that it is a problem. We're less than a thousand pounds off of picking up 50,000 pounds of shoreline debris in about 10 months. So I just did the math this morning and yeah, we just pulled another thousand off this weekend, Heartlands Point. So. We do cleanups all over the, the province. And then we, as you said, repurpose some of what we find, which is mostly rope, believe it or not. Most of what we find is fishing debris and fishing industry related debris. And we repurpose it into art, jewelry. There's macrame plant holders. It's all kinds of different things. There's lots of stuff you can do with rope. Newest is the rope mat. Yeah, it's been an adventure and we're growing and we invite lots of people out to our cleanups and, and our restrictions are opening. So be ready for the summer schedule because I've been putting it together and we're really excited to get out there and host lots of events where we can all be together again. <laughs> That's so amazing. And it's good to know that things are opening back up again. That's going to be so helpful getting more people back out there again. <laughs> and yeah, the important part a lot of the time is the community, right? And people going out with other people and picking up trash all together. Yeah, I, I visited the Bay of Funny before, but I, I actually, I had no idea the level of garbage that's around there. That is just ridiculous. I don't even have words. I got yeah, so excited for your description as well. And then you just said like Nova Scotia's garbage can or, or waste area. And I was like, oh my goodness, my heart just sank to hear that. If any nook and cranny that you go into basically in the Bay of Fundy. So there's Scott's Bay that kind of looks like a hook and anything down towards Digby, you're going to find so much rope, plastic strapping, probably millions of lobster bands. Like I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I think it's about that many and it, it's just so much debris. And then there's all the plastics, the plastic fishing bins, the large PVC piping from the fish farming. And then there's our single use plastics and the plastic bottles and millions of plastic caps there's just so much down there it shook me my first time I went down it hurt but it was just that's when I decided okay we really need to start focusing on these big cleanups because then instead of me picking this one inch square where I could pick for an hour with microplastics we're going to get 40 people together and have a big giant pile at the end and I'll feel really great because one person might be the heavy haulers that's the cleanup project if I get a heavy hauling group I call the cleanup project <laughs> maybe there's someone who's really enjoys picking up only lobster bands and we have a couple people that's all they pick up so I say we all play a different part and that's where those big cleanups are really awesome because you get all the different parts there and then we all work together on that common goal. I was going to ask about, you know, that community spirit and the sense of bringing people together for this cause. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you inspire folks in your area to really get involved and to go out and clean up beaches with you? So uh, a big part of the Scotian Shores roles that I play is that social media and promoter aspect. So first and foremost, be positive. Standing there and being like, you are doing this and you need to stop littering. Not going to help. 
So my grandma always said, you catch more flies with honey. And it's true. And there's days where I want to be angry and I am angry. I've got to Oh, put that energy in a positive way. So we do that by sharing all the different cleanups that are going on on our social media pages constantly. Every day we're updating with here's this cleanup or look what this group's doing. And it's just really raising everybody up and saying, look at all this awesome work. And then the big social media aspect is really getting into those community groups and showing them like, here's what we're going to clean up. Here's where we're going to be. And then getting the local businesses in on it. And usually they'll donate prizes and stuff, which is awesome. And just really making all those connections with the different groups. Because there's hundreds of different eco groups in Nova Scotia. And like Greenpeace, they're, they're really good at collecting data. <laughs> so inviting them over and just kind of making that big web of connection out there. Yeah. And I will repeat, be positive. yeah that's that's really lovely I think that's a good message and the part you said about what your grandmother used to tell you about attracting with honey I think that's a lovely saying I'm gonna take that that's such a good saying (laughs) and I, I think that goes pretty well into our next question which is you know like you you see these mountains of garbage and you see people coming out all the time to to help out and everything so how do you personally stay so motivated to pursue your cleanup projects and to get other people involved by connecting with others. So on the days where I'm feeling like really beat and being like, why, like, do they keep littering? One of the other ocean warriors in our group, like Peggy, for example, she sends me a picture of what her adventure was that day. And then I get to share it with everybody and and see everybody else's kind of like supporting each other. And then she'll inspire me to go out. So that sort of thing. And then also a big reason why I'm doing this is for my two children. I need them to see that mom's doing something positive for their future and and actually fighting. I'm not a scientist. I never went to university, but I'm really good at building a team and motivating people. So my kids keep me motivated because I, I care about everybody's future. That's so lovely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, it's really emotional here. <laughs> it's so it's so nice to see that and to see that kind of passion as well. Like I'm really in awe of the motivation that you have to bring it beyond just the cleanups as well. And I wanted to kind of jump in on that question of, you know, staying motivated a little bit and ask about how do you motivate others to join you who may be hesitant or negative? And I grew up in a very small part of Cape Breton Island as well, Nova Scotia. And I remember some of the attitudes were, why bother? Or it was just almost like a hopeless sense or something when it came to recycling and and that kind of thing but yeah how do you prevent that negativity or kind of combat it so it's there there's there's always going to be those people I call I call us light bringers the people who bring light to the world and there's always going to be that balance so I think it's accepting that it's going to be there and like they ignore the garbage I ignore them (laughs) and that sort of thing but if someone's being super negative I'll go over and I'll try to be positive with them if I see that we're at a cleanup sitting there for two hours cleaning up microplastics is really hard on your head and I'll literally go up to them with a knife and be like here's a knife go attack a rope bundle for a while and have some anger management (laughs) you know and being aware of that mental health and if someone says you know I can't go this time It's not guilting them into going. It's saying, you know what? Self-care is important too. 
and you need to take care of you. And there's days where I've had to not back out, but say, you know, like this weekend coming up, I'm taking a weekend off. There's no cleanup this Sunday because I'm going to spend time with the family, you know? So it's partially ignoring and accepting and just kind of moving on. That's a great approach for sure. I like the idea of you going up to folks and saying like, get at it, you know, if you can't, (laughs) you're going to just be sitting here, come join us. Right. But I think at the same time, prioritizing that self-care for folks who is also really important, especially I would assume when you've got you know, a mountain of trash. And again, you're going out basically every weekend and continuing to work. There's kind of this idea where there's no end. And I think for a lot of folks, that is really hard to deal with. And yeah. like, but I think the big thing is you're, you're making an incredible impact and everyone is going out and doing something that is just awesome, right? Like you could be doing any number of other things with your weekend, but instead <laughs> you're here cleaning the beach and that is lovely. But I'm sure that that kind of aspect of, okay, we're coming back every weekend, every weekend again and again can be difficult for folks for sure. I think it's really great that you touched on that. I have been described as relentless before. It kind of has a negative connotation to it, but I just like to think of it as persistent. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yes. I love that. (laughs) And I think too, when you were mentioning earlier, how you share some of the progress on social media and you talk about the milestones that you've reached, I was looking at your blog post as well on your website. And you had mentioned, I think, the seven-month milestone where you had gotten, I think it was 13,000 pounds that were cleaned in seven months. Like, that's incredible. That in itself and sharing examples of that is motivating and is very positive and, and very heartening. And I just want to think about that number for a minute and ask you kind of how you envision the impact of the pollution on these beaches and what difficulty, in your opinion, does it cause to the ecosystem? Oh, we could go on for hours about this one. I personally haven't found an animal entangled. Other people have. There's one. Microplastics, fish eat them. They think it's food. So guess what we're eating? Yeah, it could go on for hours. That's the (laughs) rabbit hole. And it's really overwhelming to really comprehend how much damage this is doing to our ecosystems and the world as a whole and the ocean which is not the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean and this ocean is actually one ocean so it's it's impacting the entire world and I I worry about my children everybody's future because what's this plastic going to do to us once we start eating it and ingesting it. And when you walk through the, like Scott's Bay Salt Marsh, for example, you walk through there and it's like a crunch and you look down and it's a piece of plastic every two steps. And then you walk out a little bit and it's this oil sheen and there's, there's no oil dumping. I don't think there, but we find like, what's this doing to the marsh? One of my, my friends uh, connections, Rachel Kendall wrote this big scientific paper on how marshes are big carbon sink, not if they're covered in plastic. It's such a huge impact. And and like I do touch on about not being the scientist and stuff. So I don't understand like how big it is. But I think that even that one little piece of styrofoam ball, that's going to connect to something else in the world. And it's, it's scary Mm -hmm. because we're, we're addicted to plastic. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine when when you see kind of all of the garbage on the beaches, especially here in Nova Scotia, a place where we have, you know, a lower population than a lot of other places in the world, you're thinking like, where did this come from, right? Because not all of it is produced in in Nova Scotia. Like we're getting things from decades back from Mm -hmm. way down south washing up on our shores. 
When you're in the Bay of Fundy, you find the lobster trap tags. A lot of them come from Maine. Some of the purple rope that we find, it's Maine rope. So the that huge tidal system's pulling everything in. There was one cleanup we did actually, and, and Karen Jenner from Nova Scotia Beach Garbage Awareness. She's amazing. Check her out. She like sorts everything. But she found this black plastic pot and she walked over to me and she's like, Angela, do you know what this is? And I said, I don't know what that is, but she's been doing this forever and she can spot things. She's very knowledgeable. It was an octopus pot from Africa. Whoa. In the Bay of Fundy. So that's the furthest away thing that we found. And she kept it. I was just like, ah, (laughs) I got to stop bringing things home. (laughs) But yeah, that's our furthest find. And it's pretty neat. There's also like, there's so many things that you find that I I know they're not from here. And that's why the finger pointing isn't helpful because Mm -hmm. it's not just our fishermen. Like sure, some of it's lost, uh, discarded, abandoned fishing gear, but some of it's coming from the States and further. So it's scary to think like, you know, we can keep cleaning, 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 cleaning. It's going to keep washing up. That's why I'm hoping someday that we can actually make this like jobs, actual jobs where people go and clean up the beach. Even if we stop littering in Nova Scotia, hundred percent, we're probably still going to have stuff washing up. And it's a reality, but that doesn't mean give up. <laughs> right, of course. And I think that that's so important too. I think a lot of times folks like you are doing work like this and there's this sort of expectation almost that it's like a volunteer thing. Like, okay, you're not going to get paid to do this. Like, it's just out of the goodness of your heart, but it is labor. It's hard labor. And for a lot of folks going out, like this deserves to be a job. Like this deserves to be something that people can get paid for because you're doing the work that is really beneficial to the planet and it's difficult you know and it needs to happen so yeah it's it's hard on your back man like we and we a lot of the people that come out to our cleanups uh they are older and some of the places like we need to go it's i don't feel safe taking someone that can't cliff climb because (laughs) it's it's rough The next question I sort of have here, you've touched on this a little bit, but just to kind of say it for our audience is why is it so important for folks to be seeking out education on the topic of like ocean conservation and pollution? Why is it so important for people? I think the the easy one for that is water is life. It is one ocean. And without the ocean, we're not doing good. Pretty, Pretty easy. So it's we're you drink water. We're made of water everything's got like water in it, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty important. Thank you. And another thing I I wanted to ask, but we're talking about this a little bit earlier, and I'm really curious, like, what is the type of equipment that you folks use when you go out there and like the data collection? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? It's really interesting. Okay, so for shoreline cleanups, it's a little different because often you're hiking a kilometer or more and it's rocky. So you can't use wagons. So we've actually taken using sleds when we pull them and we're starting to like hook up harnesses to our waist so that you got more pull power. So sleds are great. Cutting rope around driftwood, you can spend hours untangling it. Or we have these, they're like a utility blade snippers though. So they snip right through the rope. I'm big on first aid kits always because you never know. Also checking the tides. 
is a huge thing. <laughs> Hacksaws, axes, shovels. We use feed bags because a lot of sometimes what you'll find on the shoreline is heavy garbage compared to what's in the ditches, which is the single use plastics, coffee cups, stuff like that. We find a lot of like sharp metals, lobster traps. So we need bolt cutters to cut out the cement in the lobster traps. Eddie, the cleanup project, he needs harnesses and like climbing gear because he seriously climbs cliffs and hauls up like four bags of garbage at a time you, you gotta check wow. this guy out <laughs> like, he's, awesome. it's like all hail but, you know <laughs> boats are nice some people like to take their kayaks out and then they'll put like a little bin on them it's so i'm going to take kayak course soon i'm excited canoes to get to islands you know stuff like that so it's Sometimes we haven't gotten to this point yet, but we're going to eventually need a wench and stuff because of the big giant tires. And sometimes like lobster traps get dug into the rocks and it's really hard to get them out. So yeah, and eventually we'll have some cordless metal cutters, I'm sure, but the bulk cutters are working right now. But depending on the job can really depend on what your gear is going to be and bungee cords to hold your your load in. I always bring a pack with me that has like my first aid kit. I've got a needle container because you tend to find those for some reason, especially around Halifax and Dartmouth. But yeah, there's lots of different things. Four by four trucks, always nice. <laughs> wow, such an intricate amount of things. I mean, you think about beach cleanup, but then like when you really break it down into all the stuff you need for the specifics, like it's a lot of stuff. I mean, you, you can go out with just a bag and gloves. That's fine. Like you can still, there's still other things to pick. Don't hurt yourself. A tetanus shot's also good if you're getting really serious. I got mine. <laughs> but yeah, you can still go out with just a bag and gloves and you're good. Or a picker if you don't like using gloves. But if you really want to get serious and, and kind of make it like the thing you do, then it's really good to get kitted out properly got like knee-high rubber boots too just because you never know when you might see something out a little bit so for sure I was wondering about the beginning of our interview here where we were talking about what you find the most of so the heavier equipment is that because there are mostly is it fishing equipment that you mentioned so a lot of rope a lot of rope and the rope tangles in on itself and becomes these giant like two three hundred pound piles that we have to cut apart to be able to move and then lobster traps there's old broken up metal ones and then they've got these things in them called ballasts which are basically cement so they weigh like 80 pounds it's oh, wow. it's rough and then a lot of sharp metals so in like my area i think there used to be a dump there or something because the whole bank is sharp metals pipes wires it's a lot of that and then like that's the big items but then other things it, it really depends on where you go so the bay of fundy you're going to find 80 percent fishing gear at least wow. that we can definitely say that is from the fishing industry that is a lobster trap or rope or that sort of thing and then the other 20 percent is kind of like plastics and stuff which a lot of it's oil jugs which are cut into balers which is for mm -hmm. bailing out a boat so we can't say it's from there but you can tell it's from there and then other buoys and stuff like that so I was just curious about that also for my own purposes, because I think uh, in Newfoundland as well, it's mostly fishing equipment. So I was like, 
I was wondering about that for the Bay of Fundy. Yeah. So Bay of Fundy is definitely fishing equipment. If you're around Halifax and Dartmouth and like the more populated places, there seems to be a lot of tires. Like I've pulled 50 out of one little spot. And then there's the single use plastics, Tim Hortons cup, single use food containers, a lot of film plastics, cigarette butts. Like you find lots of those in the parking lots and stuff. So it, it really depends on where you're at and you can tell where a lot of fishing happens, but the Bay of Fundy is, I think it's because of the tides. Interesting. Yeah. So moving into our conclusion, just asking how kind of specifically, I will say for Nova Scotia right now, how can people get involved helping one beach at a time? And then for folks that are not in Nova Scotia, how can they start picking up plastic in their own communities or like helping out on their local beaches? So to get involved with our cleanups, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, I'm trying TikTok, and we have our website and it's all, we're easy to find, Scotian Shores, it's got the N on the end of Scotia. So we do a cleanup alert list. So if you email us, then we basically send out alerts every time that there's a cleanup in Nova Scotia. If different groups send us their cleanup details, we'll share that as well, just to kind of get the word out and help support other ones, get people. And then we also post on our Facebook and stuff. But if you're really interested in really getting involved as an ocean warrior, that's what that's one of our hashtags, ocean warrior. And that means like you want to go out once a week at least, and you want to actually collect that data which is important because that's what's going to make changes. That's going to help for people to see that almost 50,000 pounds of garbage shoreline debris has come off of Nova Scotia in 10 months. Like that's got to start setting off alarm bells. Like, oh wait, we have a problem. If you're really interested in that, send us a message and we'll actually set you up with the gear. So if you know that you're going to be going and hauling lobster traps, then we can get you a pair of bolt cutters and the different gear that you want. That's what our money raised actually goes towards is outfitting some of that stuff. So, so depending on the level of commitment you have or the time you have, there's different levels of getting involved and another really easy one is is sharing the word like you guys are doing even if you can't come out and clean you can share our successes and and create that awareness because that's a big big part is the awareness because a lot of people don't realize there's that much I didn't realize when I started this, there was that much. I was like, oh, like this is really bad. Like, <laughs> but, uh, and, and we don't even have it that bad compared to other places. So speaking outside of Nova Scotia, just get out there, try to inspire some other people, write your local MLAs and parliament and get after that business that's not cleaning up after themselves. Take a bag out, take some gloves out, bring your kids out, invite the family and, even if you're outside of Nova Scotia and you want tips on how to plan a cleanup, send us a message. It's, it's kind of the same anywhere. So every place is a little different on how you're going to get your garbage picked up, but we don't mind helping and we might be able to connect you with some other cleaners across Canada. We're everywhere. We're taking over. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it makes me happy to hear, actually. <laughs> just thinking about how you've built such a, an amazing community already, and even just being here together to collaborate with Oath has made me really happy. And, you know, thinking about that, I was just going to ask, finally, if you have any organizations or projects or maybe some upcoming events that you want to highlight or give a shout out to here. I love it when people ask this, but it's such an overwhelming question because there's so many people out there. There's so many groups. I I'll quickly name, I've mentioned them before, but the cleanup project, 
the tidy beaches, the friends of Scotts Bay Salt Marsh, the friends of McNabb's Island. They do the like the longest running cleanup in North America, I think. It's they're pretty amazing. Sea Shepherd Halifax chapter, Clean Annapolis River Project, Cape Breton Environmental Association, Great Nova Scotia Pick Me Up, Adopt a Highway. Like I could go on all day. <laughs> and then all the ocean warriors, Peggy, George, like there's so there's so many of us now. What started with my family, it's just been such a huge connection and I'm so appreciative of everyone and every day we're getting more people signing up I just had another ocean warrior today and it's just like yeah another one you know and it's just creating that community and it's amazing and it gives me hope and I think it gives other people hope that maybe like we are making a difference and and we can so it's just we got to connect agreed Thank you so much, Angela. That's such an inspiring note to end on. I think that's lovely. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. And also a special thanks to Cordelia for being here and co-hosting with me. Please go and check out her amazing podcast, Plastic Canada, and the links to everything that you've talked about, Angela, and also to Cordelia's podcast are going to be in the description of this podcast and also posted on our social media so folks can take a look. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much to our listeners for listening and Thank you so much for this great conversation today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. It's so lovely to meet you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of One Act at a Time, Stories of Change. We would love to hear your thoughts on Instagram or Facebook at Take the Oath. And to learn more about the Oath Project or to nominate someone for this podcast, visit oneactatatime.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share it with your community so that we can inspire more people to hashtag Take the Oath. That's it from us, and we will see you on the next episode.